triple zeros. I am Josh Buckhalter. Hit me up. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at triple zeros. No ease. Hit up the website clockersports.wordpress.com. And of course, the email address is triple zeros. No ease at gmail.com. Man, the NBA return to action tonight. And let me get it out the way and say that the, uh, my, my hometown Chicago Bulls definitely did not disappoint. They are perfectly positioned in basketball hell. They will not be improving their their standing. They will not be losing any ground, but they will definitely be perfectly mediocre for the foreseeable future because the the and this version of mediocre is on the lower end. They're bad mediocre to where like yeah you know there are some bad teams, but they're fun to watch. This ain't that. So <laughs> that was just one of the immediate thoughts that came back from the return of All Star Weekend, but. Before all of that, before we talk about some of the basketball things that happened, LeBron James weighed in on the Houston Astros cheating scandal and the response from baseball Rob Manfred and how he kind of brushed it aside and as though it was not much of a big deal. LeBron came out and said that if he had worked on something, I'm paraphrasing, if he had worked so hard to achieve something and was cheated out of it, he'd be heated and how baseball has to take it more serious and, you know, the Astros are cheaters. I don't necessarily know why. This was something that that was he felt he should speak on. Not saying that he can't. Obviously, you can say whatever you want to say. It just felt like a weird topic because, like, maybe it's because you know I feel like every baseball team cheats. So <laughs> what we're really talking about here is the Astros got caught, and I think that's where their cardinal sin is that they that, you know they got caught. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Unwritten rules in baseball. I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they got caught doing it, and they kind of exposed the underside, the dirty underside that is going on a lot more commonly than we might want to acknowledge what baseball might want to acknowledge, but it still was funny because you're in the middle of the season chasing your own playoffs. Not he, not that he's ever had the controversy of cheating or anything like that, but it just was a, an interesting thing from the way on. Like, I guess not because it is competitive. He's still an athlete in professional sports and he's weighing in on his, how he would feel about it. It was just still an odd headline for it for, an odd thing for to make headlines. LeBron weighs in on Astros after all the talk that's been going on about it back and forth. I just thought that, that was funny. Like I said, they're in the middle of a playoff chase right now. Looking good, in my opinion. I still think that they'll, the Lakers will be the representatives out of the West, but LeBron decided that he had to weigh on the Astros. Like I said, post-All-Star break, post-All-Star game, man, a lot of wild things happening, a lot of, lot of, lot of thoughts just being espoused right now. A lot of, lot of news breaking because guys are, it's only 20 some odd games. Just, it's under 30 games left for the rest of the regular season. And now you have teams getting ready to gear up for the playoffs, such as the Lakers. And I guess LeBron took this time to pontificate. And, uh, this is what it was about. The Astros cheating. Look, like I said, I think maybe it's just because I'm a little bit jaded about the fact that this is a baseball team cheating because I think that all baseball teams cheat. I just think that what, the Astros' mistake was, was that they got caught. If they hadn't got caught, I don't think anybody knows anything, nobody says anything, and just keeps on moving. Now, granted, there was a pitcher that is that kind of blew the lid on this a little bit too, but at the same time, I mean, I still feel like it's a it's more common than than many people might want to admit, just because it's baseball, and I feel like it's always been that way. That's just just thought. I guess if uh. I definitely can't criticize LeBron for sharing his thoughts, if I'm going to share my two cents about the fact that 
I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Like I, I, I talk about it because it's interesting that they're getting blown out of the water like this. And honestly, I think what's more interesting about this is how blatant it was. You have audible sound signals being relayed from the dugout or from the from the the bullpen and audio devices, and so it just seems very very low brow for a major league team. Like even the Patriots are sending in spies to like catch stuff in cameras off to the side. You know what I mean? Like catching glimpses of how of packages and, and formations and groupings and, and stuff like that. But like banging on a trash can, that's an that's an interesting that's an interesting bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> it's a bold bold strategy. Other news: Kyrie Irving reaggravated his shoulder injury. He is going to be having shoulder surgery and will miss the remainder of the season. Great idea. Perfect. Listen. People want to talk about how Kyrie is a negative impact on the Brooklyn Nets and on the Brooklyn Nets. And well, I can't necessarily disagree with that. What I can say is, duh, Kyrie's not a leader. He's not. He can't be the best player on the team. I've told you this. I've used this analogy so many times, and it's going to catch on more often when people get to realizing what I'm saying here. How deep this is. Kyrie is not a Batman, but he is better than a Robin. He's not just a, a psychic. He can kind of take over at moments and even give you some games if he's not. If he doesn't have to ultimately be the, the sole star attraction, he is Nightwing. He is a guy that can hold his own, but definitely you don't want him to carry the series. When Kevin Durant comes back, they're going to be a nasty duo. And I think a lot of t- Kyrie's missed time before this was, was a little bit of them anticipating him not necessarily being utilized this year because they're kind of really going for it next year, but also... The shoulder kind of, if it was bothering him, this is the perfect excuse to get it shut down. Perfect excuse for him to go and get healthy. And again, you're not trying to win a championship this year. Point blank period. Despite how much better people say that they are without him, Irving that is, on the floor, the Nets aren't winning a, a ship without him and KD. So get them both healthy. Do the surgery now. Probably, probably could have done it a little bit sooner, but maybe they didn't want to leave any room for him to come back and, and play still. So they do it now with their nearly no chance. I mean, just no chance of him coming back in the regular season at all. Get healthy for next year. Make a run. At, I told you, Brooklyn made moves that I, I am a big fan of and I want to see them pay off. So I'll be rooting for them next year because uh, I don't have a lot invested in it, but I definitely have put some 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 hours in, in tracking a lot of these moves and seeing how it all shook out and Kyrie and, K- and KD are two dynamic scores, and I think when KD comes back, I think KD, see, I think these are two guys, a lot of teams need the vocal kind of leader to kind of rally the troops, but I think those two, with a team around them like Brooklyn has, can thrive, because the Brooklyn team kind of drives itself. The rest of the team kind of thrives on its own of being that kind of also ran group of guys who had to kind of the ragtag bunch kind of guys to where you can drop those two in and kind of let them do their thing kind of satellite at the same time they're going to have to find a way to i think i think that's that's probably the reason why Kyrie waited so long as well it's another a third reason possibly why it was so long because you do want to get some some time on the floor i just you saw the workout videos of katie in the gym all i'm saying is i'm, I'm getting sidetracked and, and and throwing off my course here Long story short, when KD comes back next year, watch out because a lot of people are going to be talking about how great Kyrie looks in a secondary complimentary role. And a lot of those nights, he's probably going to be doing a lot more damage than 
maybe not a lot more damage. He's going to be doing some more damage than KD is because I think KD is going to be a lot of facilitating, a lot of ball handling, but uh, not necessarily going to be trying to cross anybody, not doing too much extra stuff when he when he does get it. Just to preserve some of his health, I think he'll be so he'll do some playmaking, though, and Kyrie will play off of that. Other news, Detroit Pistons bought out Reggie Jackson. He signed with the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers and the Lakers seem to be racing for every player possible on the buyout market and, and so far the Clippers have won it now they've won it in terms of they've gotten everybody if they've actually won it in terms of it improving their roster remains to be seen because while they they need a, a true point guard Jackson's another scoring point guard but he can still he's still a better point guard than Patrick Beverly is I would say and that allows Lou Will to play more uh two guards as well but the Clippers do need some rim protection, you would think, with the Lakers boasting Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, and potentially, potentially Boogie Cousins. I don't think we'll see him, but potentially Boogie Cousins. And then you got Javel Boogie down there just to throw a body and, and run up for rebounds. I'm not sure how much Zubats can handle down low. And we know that Montrez Harrell and Jamichael Green, those guys aren't big enough to hang with those two. So now... I've often said that I could see a scenario where the major play for the for the Clippers is to keep the Lakers out of the paint. I think that's what everybody thinks the goal is ultimately going to be. But still, you have to have an ability to get some rim protection and work your way inside for an easy bucket when things aren't going great. Now, maybe they they think, okay, well, we'll just take one of the one of our better wing players and bring them down low while we bring our our quote unquote bigs out to the, the three-point line and have their bigs covering them out there. And that's one method, but we'll see how it works, how effective it is in the playoffs when teams are anticipating that, have game plan for that, and are rotating a lot quicker because they know that that's what's coming. I think that'll be where it ultimately goes into the Lakers' favor because there's nobody who can consistently stop or even remotely stop Anthony Davis and a Dwight Howard that's running in the open floor. And then let's not act like JaVale can't get hot for a double-digit night on – the glass and in points if he if he's catching oops and just and really feeling it inactive and get some early burn i just that that's where i feel i feel like the clippers while again they're they've won they've won the buyout market in terms of signing guys have they really won the buyout market in terms of making the roster better that we'll have to see but they didn't have any other option to improve so i guess they're just gonna it's gonna be a numbers game will our numbers be better than yours we'll see track me the playoffs are usually not track meets they're usually slugfests and that's why i'm just i I like the Clippers team, but I think I like the Clippers team more as a 2K thing. And again, I'm saying all this knowing, knowing that we just watched the Golden State Warriors win three out of four championships in the last four years. Three out of the last four championships utilizing small ball offense. And I've been proponent for it and, and why it'll work for Houston. Maybe I'm just selling the Clippers short because I haven't seen them play at full force enough. But I just feel like they're going to need, when it comes down to it between them and the Lakers, I think that would be ultimately Houston's downfall, is that they can't bang down low with the Lakers. So there's a reason why I picked this team to be the outcome out of the West. It's not just the fact that when they first got LeBron and Anthony Davis, they were the clear, clear top team in the conference. It's just that that combination makes it almost impossible to defend them consistently night in night out especially over a seven game series so and then the cleveland cavaliers part ways with head coach john beeline talked about this a little bit on the last episode and how he was being comp uh, being noted as being kind of 
lethargic and drained and just kind of cranky lately from friends and, and family and how this move was kind of coming. Now, a few weeks back, I told you about how he had the incident where he was talking to players and going over film. And he said that we will no longer play like thugs. Came out, tried to clean it up and said that he meant to say they would no longer play like slugs. Apparently, they weren't buying it because, according to the Athletic, players were trolling that thugs comment by playing music that had the word thugs in it intentionally. Now, Andre Drummond, the center, recently traded from the Detroit Pistons to the Cleveland Cavaliers, said that the Cleveland Cavaliers situation is far worse than what is going on in Detroit. This is a mess. Beeline, again, just signed a five-year contract, 67 years old, though I'm not sure what they thought he was going to be able to do. I know they wanted to get a young team, but they didn't really go all the way young. That front court is still fairly veteran with Tristan Thompson, uh, Kevin Love. You got Larry Nance there. So that's kind of where things kind of went right now. Uh, granted, you had the two guards, two young guards in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, but that's not really a a, a paired backcourt. That's a, a, a starter on his backup. Now, who you want to start is up to you and your preference, whatever. We're not going to get into that right now. The point is, those two guys really shouldn't be playing a lot of minutes next to each other. This was doomed from the start is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> so that's just one to keep a note, uh, keep an eye on what happens there. JB Bickerstaff has been promoted to the position, but it's not a good run right now for the organization, GM Kobe Altman, and really anything that's going on for them right now because Beeline didn't even make it through the whole season. He made it just after the All-Star break. That's rough. That's right. Speaking of coaching changes and coaching maneuvers, the Chicago Bulls, I talked to you last week about how they're supposed to be looking for a replacement for Gar Foreman as, as a general manager. And that's all well and good. But if the rumors are true that John Paxson will not be losing any power, that's not enough. Now, they are trying to still say that that's the same thing that's going on with Kenny Williams on the South Side, but a lot of people will tell you that that's not true at all, that you can clearly see what moves are Kenny Williams and what moves are Rick Hahn. And there's been a lot more Rick Hahn, if any, Kenny Williams lately. So I don't want to hear anything about their being. Now, maybe that's a, a transitional type of thing, but they're just saying that there's there's not really much that you can say. There's not really much that you can tell me to convince me that as long as Paxson is around, he won't be putting his prints all over this team. That's just the way he is. I'm not. That's not a knock. That's literally just the way that he is. It's an explanation. And I think that putting him in the position to a pick a player, pick a, a general manager, and still have the say about who that guy is going to be, or or what decisions that that general manager has to make. I think that's when you start to get in a bit of a trouble, uh, into a bit of trouble. And they're rumored to be intrigued by Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan. Now he's a friend of Boylan. No, you had, you also had agent Mark Barrowstein mentioned as well. And honestly, I'm not sure where to go with this because this organization is in such disarray. I told you last episode about the story of Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett talking about i wrote about the story actually for pippin ain't easy that's what happened i wrote about the story for pippin ain't easy about kevin garnett talking about he why he was never close really to going to the bulls said it never really came up but even if it did he probably wouldn't have because he remembers how they treated michael jordan at the end of his run and how he couldn't even get ownership stake in the team and he kind of held that on jerry reinsdorf now no matter what you want to say moving firing gar gar foreman moving firing john paxson ain't gonna do much about the sentiment that 
Jerry Reinsdorf did Mike the goat in most Chicagoans' eyes dirty at the end of his run here. Now Garnett and I mentioned this in the piece. He's a uh, at least a cycle removed from from the the current generation of NBA talent. However, these things get passed down. Uh, old heads give informate give advice. That's what they do. If they're good, if they that's what they're supposed to do. And to think that this is not something that's we saw those the Kings players mock the Bulls last year, so it wouldn't be a surprise. It's not a stretch to think that this is something that's going on that's still being looked at this way currently by this crop of players. So I don't know what you do. I don't know how they fix it, but it's not a good look for the team right now, knowing that there's a lot going on uh with them in the front office. The roster is far from settled, and there really doesn't seem to be much of a plan to get out of it other than, well, let's try to bring in another guy. And then you hear the rumors that they're trying to look at a, a, a several people to fill roles. Now, granted, their front office is viewed as behind the times and how it's set up, but it just it's a mess. And if they are that behind, they're trying to do it all now. I I, I kind of ponder this in the end of the piece, you know, or suppose I just kind of threw it out there. They need to kind of relieve Boylan of his duties right now then. Let it be over and done with and keep going and, and, and go through your search now because the new coach is going to want, the new GM is going to want to coach. I think it's kind of clear that Boylan won't be back, but even if he is, or even if you can't, you just can't move on. It's not working. It's not good. The players don't seem to be responding. He's putting out wild lines. He challenged, he challenged a play with the Bulls down nine with 40 seconds to go. I know he's going to say that his his job is to, is to coach these players up. That ain't it, son. Just, it's not it. So, while their they're search is just beginning, Shane Batty is another name that was mentioned as possibility for a general manager. Their search is just beginning. They've got a long way to go, and it's still 20-some-odd games for them to win the remainder of the, se- remainder of the season. But I think that, that, if anything, they should probably move on from Boylan now. Let the rest of those guys who are out be out. You're gonna, I'm, you know, you're gonna try to win as many games as possible, quote unquote, and drop as far as you can in the draft. That's the worst part that they were trying so long, quote again, quote unquote, to actually make the playoffs. They're now in the place where I, I, I always talk about them being in basketball hell. They are, I believe, five games from the top, from the number one overall pick, which they won't be getting to. But they're also six and a half games from the playoff spot, or the reverse of that. And it's just like that's the the epitome of basketball hell. You're not good enough to be bad, and you're not or you're not bad enough to be to get blessed with a good pick, and you're not good enough to be blessed with a playoff spot to have earned a playoff spot. So they're in a rough spot. They're looking at pick eight, I believe, now is their current draft. It might be slides now because now they they gained a one point five percent chance increase of getting the first pick because they drop below Charlotte in the standings now with this loss. And again, they're missing a lot of players. And it actually long-term is probably beneficial that they lose and they get a higher draft slot, but they just have it. They seem to have picked capped out players in the past few drafts. They seem to have wasted an opportunity to build around a player who wants to give the city and the team is all. And they are just now trying to figure out what to do with their front office. I know I said they're, they're that front office is viewed as behind the times, but if you heard what I just said, <laughs> that they are picking bad players, they are poorly constructing their team, 
but now they're trying to figure out how to run their front office. Again, these are the same guys who've been in place for about 17 years. That's a long time to keep blaming injuries and keep picking coaches and missing playoffs or or maxing out at, at a certain level because you can't complete the rock. Somebody tweeted out that the Bulls' offense is literally watching, is literally Zach Levine gets the ball and everybody else watches him and hopes that he creates a play. Sounds a lot like what happened with Derrick Rose for a lot of his tenure, right? Where guys would kind of just stand there and watch him do something. Oh, you know what else it sounds like when Jimmy was here? They can't build a team. They've gotten lucky with one player and then kind of resting their laurels and trying to improve the roster from there and fill out the roster, rest of the roster with guys that, that are merely just try hard complimentary pieces. You, this day and age, you need two stars. You needed three last year. We'll see if it goes back to that, but at least today you need two and they don't have, they have maybe one. Who knows? I'd like to see what Zach can do with a lot better team around him. He has some steps that he's going to take personally as in, in his game to grow, but. The man is putting on, I, I think he had, before the all he was one of 10 players with a 25-4-4 stat line this year, or to to ever not make the All-Star game. And three of them were this year, and two of them were guys who had been injured, Kyrie and Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Zach was out here making history for being snubbed. That's crazy. Going to take a quick, quick break. Before I do, though, Again, follow me on Twitter at Joshy Bucket or the Facebook page at Triple Zeros No Ease. Hit up the website, clockersports.com, not wordpress.com. The email address is triple zeros at gmail.com. And when I come back, we're going to talk about some NFL stuff. CBA just got ratified by, well, not ratified. That's jumping the gun. CBA talk coming up. Going to talk about some Bears news and, of course, a few other things in a moment. Be right back. Triple Zeros. Back now on Triple Zeros, I am Josh G. Buck. Hit up Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at Triple Zeros No Ease. And of course, the website is clockersports.wordpress.com. And the email address is Triple Zeros No Ease at gmail.com. Moving on to NFL action. It is the offseason, but of course, that doesn't mean that it's all nothing silent, quiet. No, 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 no. We have rumors swirling and we have actual news going down. First and foremost, the big news of the day is that the CBA was agreed upon by the owners. A couple of the big points, and that's a lengthy list of adjustments that are going on. I tweeted it out, so you can go ahead and check out the Twitter, again, at Josh G. Buck, to see all of the details that were sent to players. But among the chief things were 17-game season, three games in the preseason, and there will also be seven playoff teams. Now, of course, along with that, that would be there will also be Reducing the amount of bye weeks to one team per conference gets a bye week, the top seed only. And that means we would have six games in wild card weekend. And the big thing that was coming out of this was the place, the play, the pay, weight, the wage scale. So you had your regular salary for games one through 16. Now they want to make game 17 basically be like a playoff game where you're capped at a certain amount. And everybody makes that amount. So even the highest guys, no matter what, they're getting that. Now, that's all well and good when you're getting the playoff because everybody everybody makes the same thing in the playoffs. I don't know if a lot of people, how many people know that, but everybody makes the same amount of money game to game for a playoff game. But if you're doing that to the regular season, now you're essentially trying to get them to play. I don't want to say game for free, but it's definitely at a reduced rate, a greatly reduced rate for less incentive. So game 17 could kind of be a bunch of backups 
except for the few teams, the few extra teams now who are trying to make it to the playoff field. So I'm not sure how this is really going to be a good thing because we don't see enough good quarterback play as it is. Now, of course, you're going to see a couple of defenses. I think that the two teams that were would have made it this year would have been the Rams and the Steelers, two teams that have had that had serious quarterback issues and really issues all over the offenses, but had defenses that could keep them in games and even win them games. That was those are the teams that you kind of wonder, like, okay, yeah, I can see them making it. They may be making some noise, but they're not winning anything. Neither one of those teams would have won anything. So you expanded it, and then on top of that, it's kind of an insult to the players to tell them, oh, we're going to add another regular season game, but we're going to play you like it's a playoff game, even though we know it's not worth as much in terms of value to the team, unless, of course, you're one of the ones trying to fight for a playoff spot. And, of course, as expected, a few players, even former ones, were tweeting out about it. Damian Witte, when seeing the pay scale, talking about how they would, how much they would make for Week 17, tweeted a what? J.J. Watt tweeted out a hard pass on it. Doesn't look like he's going to make it too far, and honestly, I don't blame him. And you had younger players, Jamal Adams, tweeted out in support how it's more games, more money, everybody's happy. Richard Sherman quote tweeted him saying it's not that fast. You know, you can, you got to call him because it's never that simple. And I agree. They are trying to push through the, the 17th. It's, something, it's not a surprise. We know that the owners want this, but that 17th game at a playoff price without the same implications is kind of funny. That's a, that's an, an obvious red flag that I think anybody in that room should be able to foresee as going to be a clear no-no. Now, they do shift some more revenue the players' way. It's still not 50-50, even though it should probably be 55-45 in favor of the players, but they're getting there, maybe. They'll probably never, it'll probably be 49 and, a, and 9 to infinity before it'll ever be 50-50. But that, that, that just doesn't seem like a good breakdown. Now, they've also did some things to the medical system, the healthcare system that they have in place and a lot of things and this this cba could be in place as soon as 2021 now the other side of this is let's say they do reject it and we face a work stoppage in the nfl could you possibly see some middle to lower level guys you won't see any of the top level guys but could you see some mid to low level guys make their way to a league like to the xfl that would be something to keep an eye on it's an already listen i'm a fan DC Defenders, DC Forge. Um, it's an entertaining game. It's fast paced. You get the, the behind the scenes and all that. So it's not the same kind of just knockoff NFL football like I think the AAF was. That's what I said when it came out. Like, first of all, AF is a horrible, that's a horrible acronym. They, that was a hor, listen, <laughs> that was doomed from the start. But XFL, X, obviously, extreme is always, that's always how you associate it. And people have the nostalgia from back in the day. They could stand to bring back the nicknames on the jerseys, but that's neither here nor there. The fact of the matter is I could honestly see a situation where you have some of these lower-level, mid-level guys going out and saying, okay, if there's a work stop, I still have to work. I still have to make enough money to feed my family, support my family, so I'm going to go here and go here and play in the XFL, especially if it doesn't look like there's going to be any kind of settlement or any type of agreement upon between the CV, the NFL and the NFL Players Association. So those are two things I thought was interesting, just how quickly J.J. Watt was like, yep, nope, nah, hard pass. You had a lot of guys just coming out saying no, and we'll see. There'll be more details. I got to go through the rest of it. It's a lengthy, like, it was, a, I think, four slides that I saw, and I think there might have been a couple extra on there, like, you know, the plus two. So, yeah, 
they try. They tried it. 17, it's coming. 17 game season is coming. They took away one of the preseason games, which I think everybody's for, but you're going to have to up that 17th game paycheck. I guarantee you that before any player agrees to that thing. So moving around the NFL, some draft news. You had Joe Burrow being non-committal to the Bengals when asked if he would be excited to play with me. I play for anything that drafts me. That's less than, you know, than the, the all in. Hell yeah, come take me and this, that, and the third. This comes after Carson Palmer kind of warned him about team, the Bengals not playing to win, basically not trying to win a Super Bowl. Burrow came out and half echoed those sentiments like, yeah, you want to play for an organization that's trying to win and do those things. If that's a message to the Bengals, I mean, I don't know what he can do. They're going to take him anyway, unless he pulls an Elway and goes to something else, but I don't think that, that I don't, I don't even know how, the, how that would even work nowadays. I don't know. I don't know how the Bengals can fix it. If if anything, I'm a team behind them looking for a quarterback trying to get up. I'm the Dolphins trying to move up. I'm I'm one of those type of teams. I'm the Redskins if I don't believe in the way it has to lose it sounds like they don't. Trying to move up. That's what you're doing. That's what that's what needs to be happening if if they feel like taking Joe Burrow will be bad for them long-term because he doesn't want to be there and they really aren't. Now, that might be a concession that they aren't trying to win, so maybe they don't do that. But when it first, when when the, the draft order was still settling, still shaking out, and the Bengals were sitting at two, I thought that Chase Young would be a great fit for them opposite Carl Young, Carl Lawson. They do have uh, Carl Dunlap there still and still got Sam Hubbard. They have some depth, but, I mean, Ohio, Chase Young, you know, who knows? Yeah. Keep an eye on that, though. Burrow did sign a Bengals jersey, so it's a lot of speculation. It's just, it's just interesting that he kind of softened his stance on on being excited to go to Cincinnati after hearing the comments of Palmer, and then again, basically echoing those same sentiments about wanting to play for an organization that will be trying to get to a Super Bowl. Other draft news: Tua Tyco by Loa Alabama quarterback recovering from his hip injury. Speaking in an interview, said that. If he were to be drafted, he was able to choose that the Cowboys would be an ideal spot. That is notable both because, well, it's Dallas. And he's actually making a claim on what spot would be ideal. You rarely hear that, especially from a quarterback nowadays. But two, Dak Prescott is there. Now, as two was saying, he'd be good to go there and learn. And he knows that that's a system that he could thrive in, ultimately given the chance. Or is he saying, get rid of Dak and take me? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not speculating. I just thought it was a very interesting place for him to say now. He was probably just being true to self, so it didn't matter about anybody else being in that position. He was just saying for him, you know, if he had that, that's clearly what's going on. It just is interesting when you think about the constitution of the Dallas Cowboys roster right now and some of the issues that they're having at quarterback with the contract situation. Those, those, that's, that's a, a situation. They're not taking Tua. If they do, if they for some reason are taking Tua and they are trying to move on from him, then send him to the Midwest in Chicago. That him being Dak, because listen, if that's what you want to do now, Grant, I think Tua still needs some time to recover. So maybe they don't want to do it. But he's supposed to be throwing coming up soon by the time uh, things get rolling for camp, I believe. If that's the case, who knows? I don't see the Cowboys doing it. That That's a, basically a reset. And I know they just got a new head coach and Mike McCarthy, but that that's a, a head coach that they are expecting to take them to the next level, not to help them go back to the bottom level. That's not why he's here. That's not why he's here. That's not why he's there. 
And then you have OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., Cleveland Browns receiver, sending the bat signal back to Gotham, but this time aiming it towards Gang Green. And when asked about a potential landing spot in the Jets, he said that that would be a perfect. Wow. <laughs> Listen, it's not a secret that there's nothing to do in Cleveland. That's a shot. Definitely a shot. That's a Joe Kim Noah throwback when he said there's nothing is boring. Joe Kim Noah probably gave you one of the best. If you haven't ever heard it, check it out. I'll have to put that in the podcast version of this. The Joe Kim Noah sounder about their, of Cleveland being nothing because and listen, that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, that that's what it sounds like. He just is ready to go. He never wanted to go there. I often say this because people want to say, oh, he's a diva. He should just play. He should just play. If a guy gets traded to a place that he didn't ask to be traded, you can't be mad that he's not happy in said place, especially when said place is a place that everybody tries to get out of. Cleveland. It's plain and simple. Now, Probably not going to happen, but that would be interesting to see him go back to the New York locker room only on the opposite side and uh, playing for Gang Green. Now, I'm surprised anybody wants to go play for Adam Gase in that offense, but here you go. You, there you have it. That would be one to keep an eye on for sure and see what happens because the the Browns are in a, a weird spot right now. With They're kind of in that dream team Eagles phase where that Eagles team that had Vince Young and and behind Michael Vick, and you had Namdi Asamoah and Deshaun. They had everybody, all the stars, all the big name guys were there, and they didn't do nothing. That's what that Browns team felt like. That, but but we'll see what happens going forward with them. And then wrapping up with some Bears news, of course, local, local. The Bears are back in the news mostly because they signed tight end Demetrius Harris. He is a former Kansas City Chief and Cleveland Brown, and he worked with he was with Matt Nagy in Kansas City. Now. He was he's known for his blocking ability. He's six foot seven though, and he can move. He can catch the ball, and he's an immediate upgrade over anything maybe other than Trey Burton, a healthy Trey Burton on the roster. Burton's still there, so maybe that that's uh, who who knows how much further they're gonna address it. Maybe they just add another rookie to it. Maybe they don't want to overdo because they still have some kind of faith in Trey. I doubt it though. But maybe they see Demetrius Harris as more traditional tight end and Burton in the role that he was actually signed to play in the you the tight end, the move tight end. I think a lot of people forget that part in that he's not really supposed to be the main guy. He's supposed to be the complimentary mismatch, and he can't be used that way, Burton, that is, because no one else around here, Shaheen, ever was able to step up into that Y role. So Burton's more of, of an F. It's just what it is. Or an H-back. He's more of an H-back, excuse me. Um, but then the Bears are also being linked to Derek Carr. He put up a IG post where it was him and Khalil Mack meeting in the field. Of course, Mack, a former Raider now with the Bears. And a lot of people got to speculate, is it, you know, him kind of hinting that he would like to be traded and that's the place where he would be willing to be traded to. This a lot, I'm assuming is being, is a lot of this is, centered around the rumors of Tom Brady being courted by the Raiders and them being willing to spend big money to do so. Now, I told you, I've been telling you for a few weeks now, though, actually, that that's one of my ideal scenarios. And it wasn't even because of this. It was because the Golden Boy going to the Raiders in Vegas is just, oh, love to, I would love to cheer for that team. Just saying. But the fallout 
could be so beneficial to the team that I hold dear, the Chicago Bears, and that Derek Carr could become available. And now a couple of beat writers that I know, and I have to get, I want to get them on to talk about this more in depth for the next episode. And that's something I'm going to work on. I think we're talking about that. They would just like to see the Raiders recoup their second round pick back. If that's the only thing that it takes is for the Raiders to get their own two back to get Derek Carr here. I don't know why the Bears wouldn't do that. And see, I'm of the volition that there's two ways you can go about this offseason. They don't have a lot of cap money, cap space, but they can make enough to do one of two things. They can improve themselves in a couple of key areas with some big name free agents, fill out the rest of the roster through the draft and hope for Mitch to progress and then come back with another plan after some more roster gutting moves next year. Or you go all in on a quarterback and you use your draft and whatever little cap left you have to fill in the blanks because the quarterback is that much is, is that important to anything that you're trying to do. I think it's clear where I fall on this. The latter group, you go all in on the quarterback and you you fill in the rest of the gas because the quarterback is that important. And to that end, I have been a major proponent of them going to get Teddy Bridgewater. Still am. Still my top choice. Number two, though, would probably be, if it's for that price, the second round pick would be Derek Carr. Go ahead and make that move. I don't want to see. I mean, I said I don't want to see. I would take these moves over any other move that they would make. Those two, in that order. Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr. And then you can do either one of those and still draft a fourth-round, fifth-round quarterback because you can get a few years. I don't think Teddy's going to get more than a three-year deal. Kirk Cousins-style three-year deal. And less money for sure. Carr has an opt-out, I believe, after this year. I don't see why. I don't see a downside to doing either one of those deals if, again, that that Derek Carr price cannot enter first round territory. Clearly, the Bears don't have one, and it it sh- it can't enter more than one second round pick territory either. That should be the top that you have to give up. If you have to give up a second and something else, a sixth, maybe some talent, maybe maybe some low level talent to go along with that. That might be that might be something that I do. Maybe you throw in uh, a a contract that you don't want to to balance that out. In the back end, maybe you throw them Prince because they need some backing help. Or I saw it tossed out, throw Leonard Floyd in a pick sweetener to get Carr back. I don't think that'll be enough. I don't think they 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 need Floyd. They do have Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby there, two guys who are not great. They're getting better. Cleveland Farrell started to come on later on in the year. Max Crosby was actually the better end between the two for most of the season. So <sighs> it, I love this time of year, but I also hate it because there's so much speculation, so much smoke. You're not sure where the fire is coming from, but there's so many possibilities. Hope springs eternal, as they say. I actually wrote uh, for the blog, clockersports.com.wordpress.com about how quarterbacks dominate the headlines, and we're seeing it right now. And look, I talked about quarterbacks three times in the past 12 minutes. So that's just how it goes, man. Quarterbacks dominate today. They're going to dominate it now. They're dominating the headlines, and especially in Chicago where they are a quarterback-hungry team, a team that is completely dissatisfied with what the organization has done. Whether you're a fan of Trubisky or not, you're either not a fan of what they put around him or you're a fan of what they put around him and not him. You're not in between. There there are no fence sitters on this one. You're not an undecided person anymore. I don't think I don't think those guys exist with uh with this team. So they gotta do better. Hopefully they do do better and we'll see what they do going forward. Again, Ryan Pace said that they were gonna be behind Mr. Trubisky, but with all these options out there, it's hard to imagine him letting them all pass and not bringing in somebody above a level. I don't want to see the Daltons and the Mariotas and the Alex Swiss. I don't care. 
I think the Phillip Rivers and the Tom Brady's are nice, but I don't think it'll be enough. And I think it'll be a waste because you won't get it in the one year. I think if you're going to spend that, if you're going to do it, spend that money on a Bridgewater or a car, two guys who are in their primes and can grow with this roster. Derek Carson, like he would be more than willing to come here and you could get him for the price of a second. And you don't got to give him new money right now, but you probably will because, duh, why would you trade a second and not give the guy new money? Man, you kind of have to pull that maneuver. I, I, Bridgewater tops, Derek Carr second, and I make it happen. That'd probably be my next piece from last word on pro football. Uh, dear Ryan Pace letter. I did that for Khalil Mackey and ended up getting him here. I'm just saying. Not saying, just saying. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page at Triple Zeros, no ease. Hit up the website, clockersports.wordpress.com. And of course, the email address is Triple Zeros, no ease at gmail.com. Until the very next time, you know what it is. Triple Zeros.